Naturally occurring black pigments in vegetables, spices, and seeds have been found to have powerful anti-inflammatory effects. Hi, this is Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and I'm excited about what I think may be the next big thing in anti-inflammatory supplements, a brand new, all-natural daily preventative against a host of possible inflammatory issues. Black for Health Liquid Extract from Future Farm Botanicals. Black for Health combines four plant-based foods, black garlic, black radish root, black cumin seed, and black peppercorn containing high levels of body-ready healing botanicals. Black for Health supports your liver, skin, cholesterol, blood pressure, and weight management, circulation, and immunity. It's a tasty supplement with liposome complex for optimal absorption. For more information or to order, call 888-841-7216, 888-841-7216, or go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. That's myfuture. Farm, P-H-A-R-M, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. The topic is glyphosate, a.k.a. Roundup. Our guest, the author of a book entitled Toxic Legacy, How the Weed Killer Glyphosate is Destroying Our Health and the Environment. She's Dr. Stephanie Seneff, known for her outspoken views. Uh, Dr. Seneff uh, is a um, research scientist at MIT's Computer Science and Artificial Intelligence Laboratory, but she also has a deep background in biology, uh, food, and nutrition. And uh, the book Toxic Legacy uh, lays out the case against glyphosate uh, in a very, I, I think it's the, what it your book does is it contributes a whole new perspective on the pervasive problems that glyphosate can cause. Uh, not just, you know, well, if you don't get cancer, you're fine. Uh, there are a lot of uh, kind of subtle under the hood problems that develop when uh, people, animals and soil are exposed to glyphosate. You talk about them in your book. Uh, but I have to say, Dr. Zenith, you know, I was in the hardware store the other day and I was, you know, getting some stuff and uh, the guy in front of me, plunked down a big um, container of glyphosate on the counter uh, and, uh, you know, was happily uh, off to his pickup truck to uh, maybe, you know, control the weeds on his property. Uh, it's still for sale, incredibly. I know. What's up with that? Yeah, that's very frustrating. The U.S. government, of course, I mean, they get so much money from the industry that they are willing to stay mum about these things. They're willing to look the other way and hope and pretend that everything's safe and just not think about it. It's been so, so difficult to get any kind of reaction out of the U.S. government in particular. Luckily, other governments are actually starting to, to notice and take action. And in fact, I'm really proud of Mexico because I don't know if you heard, but Mexico has decided they're going to completely phase out glyphosate, mm. I think, by 2024. Wow. And the U.S. government's very upset with them for doing that. And it's time yeah. to pressure them into changing their mind, yeah. which just drives me nuts. But I think having our next door neighbor banning glyphosate is going to bring, bring greater awareness. And of course, we had also all those uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma cases. That was such a wonderful, I still remember so fondly the day that I heard that uh, Dwayne Johnson had won his case. I was so, so ecstatic. I thought, this is it. This is really a change, a game changer. And I think I'm right. Because, you know, he won that case. That was the first one with the non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. He was, he was using glyphosate on schoolyards in California. And it was the only chemical he used. And he had had some issues where he, his equipment didn't work right and he had been sprayed with it. So it was very clear he was deep, deep into glyphosate and nothing else. And I think that was why the jury was convinced it was the glyphosate that caused his problems, not non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in his early 40s. 
very sad case, young children, you know, so it was. In um, fact, we had uh, Carrie uh, Gillum on our, on our podcast uh, recently with mm-hmm. her book, the Monsanto papers that lays out, lays out the case of that individual uh, and yes. others like him. She's so great because she's covering the whole political side of the story and I'm covering the sort of scientific side of the story. So the two of us make quite a team, I think, yeah. <laughs> you know, in terms of pressuring uh, for glyphosate. So I think that that was a game changer. And then there were other uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma cases that followed two more that four, involving four people, one involved a husband and wife, also got huge awards from the jury, which were, you know, then cut back and Monsanto's been contesting. So it's still ongoing. I mean, these things seem to never end. But it certainly gave out the message. And then we have like thousands, if not even more than 10,000, I think, cases now of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma where people are claiming glyphosate caused their problems. So there's these class action lawsuits going on. And Bayer, you know, who bought Monsanto around 2015, right before all this happened, Bayer bought Monsanto. They probably regret that as they've lost a lot of value in their stock. Yeah, it was a real then. poison pill, wasn't it? Yeah. Right. I think they must have been wondering what what drug they were on when they did that. So yeah. it's really a stupid thing to do. But um, they're, they're caught with the problem now, and they um, they're trying to make a deal, which will never not be enough for sure. And yeah, they want to, to put a pot deal. of money aside, you know, for all future litigation, and you know, basically, uh, you know, rest your case. That's it. End of story. Yes. And they want to do it so that no future lawsuits exactly. can be made, which is what, of course, if we start getting enough of a case to say glyphosate is causing autism, we've got now basically one in 54 of our children being diagnosed with uh, autism today in this country. It keeps on going up. It's a really, really scary number. And if those kids can start proving that glyphosate caused their autism, that's going to be the end of glyphosate, I think. And the end of Bayer as well. Yeah, it may be the end of Bayer as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but so internationally, I'm sorry, internationally, there, okay. I think there's an effort afoot to um, ban it in, in many other countries. Uh, you mentioned Mexico. I mean, we tend to think of Mexico as kind of a free fire zone. It's kind of a paradoxical situation where they've banned it and we allow it. You know, that's yes, a and strange. Yes, Canada measured glyphosate levels in a whole bunch of foods, Canadian foods as well as imports from the U.S. and Mexico and from Europe, and they found a significant pattern that the United States and Canada led the pack. We had significantly higher levels of glyphosate on average in our foods than uh, even Mexico. Mexico lined up more with Europe. So now if I can't get organic, you know, I'll buy from Mexico. I think it's a safer product, which is ironic because we always think of Mexican food as being subpar, right? Yeah. Like we have all the regulations that make our food safe and it's not true anymore and you're right Europe has been really rumbling about glyphosate and they went through a, a renewal process that was very stormy and finally ended up renewing it for a very short period of time normally they would do a much longer renewal and now it's um and now there's various European countries that are trying to ban it I think Austria Germany you know France I mean all of them are getting uh, concerned about glyphosate and wanting to ban it Bad it, and then you've got the European Union, which is some issue of wrestling for control. Who gets the, to decide whether you can ban it or not? I hate this when you sort of bring all the power up to the top, and you disable, you know, the lower level governments from right, doing local anything. Right, local governments. Yeah. Uh, there's some collateral damage of uh, glyphosate because from what I understand, uh, many uh, weeds are developing glyphosate resistance, yes. and it's requiring. Uh, higher amounts or the use of other dangerous uh, weed killers uh, to contain the the uh, the overgrowth, the resistant weeds. 
Yes, that's absolutely right. In fact, that's one of the big reasons why the use kept going up. They were claiming that when they had these GMO Roundup Ready crops that that would reduce the use of toxic chemicals on food. But it actually didn't. It backfired because they had to keep using more and more every year as the weeds got stronger and stronger. And now they've had to introduce dicamba and 2,4-D and glufosinate. These are all very nasty chemicals that are supposed to be much more toxic than glyphosate. And they're making these formulations that are mixtures of these two chemicals. And then they've got GM, GMO engineering that resistant to both of them so this is really getting into a mess and then there's been a whole bunch of lawsuits with dicamba because it's been uh, spreading to the neighbor's farm and killing their crop i don't know if you've heard about the problems with dicamba in the midwest but they've had a lot of lawsuits around that because they've you know put the dicamba into the formulation along with the glyphosate and then they've got these crops that have this dual gene resistance with the GMO technology and um, neighbors don't have the, uh, the resistance to dicamba so their crop gets killed just from the from the spread you know of so, the, the neighbor's spraying so uh, you know what's you know today's call to action uh, what can we do to mitigate our exposure to glyphosate and help protect ourselves and our families and uh, what can we do on the political front? Is there any initiative that we can sign on to? Absolutely. And I really admire people who are willing to stomach the political scene because it's a rough ride. You know, it's very difficult. But the people have had a lot of success locally. I think you can really make a difference locally. And you should care locally. If you've got children going to school and they're using glyphosate in the schoolyard, you need to get that st oh, stopped. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you can do that locally. Those kinds of things can have a significant uh, Effect once you let the local, you know, legislators know about this problem. Many times you can get it to happen, and certainly many cities in California have uh, banned glyphosate usage in public places. I think California has been a leader in that, but other uh, states across the country too have individual cities or individual counties, you know, that have banned it. For example, in Hawaii, Kauai, which is where I have a, a, a home. They recently banned uh, glyphosate use on schoolyards, which, uh, of course, seems like a no-brainer to me, but at least they did it, you know, mm -hmm. so it's, mm -hmm. it's slowly happening here. Um, so that's, and, and so, um, and also, of course, bringing awareness to your friends, your family, your network. I think that people can just, once they learn there's a problem, then they can help to spread the word, encouraging people to buy certified organic food, which will then increase the demand for certified organic, which will then increase the desire for farmers to grow it. I think if, you, if we stop buying the toxic food, they won't produce it anymore. So I think there's a lot of power in the consumer choice. You know, vote with your pocketbook. And I really would encourage people. I think I have had, you know, email from people who have said, you know, it's just incredible how much better I feel once I switch to an organic diet. So problems have disappeared that they've been wrestling with for years once they switch to an organic diet. Uh, I think you'll find it's a it's a win win for everybody. You know, your family will be healthier. Your kids won't have autism. I mean, it's just to me, it's obvious that that's the first line of defense is to make sure you feed your family a certified organic diet. And then you can pressure your farmers to grow a certified organic. I think, um, you know, America is so uh, settled into this uh, ag agricultural framework that involves these huge farms with very little manpower, which allows people to do other things, you know, so we've developed all this technology, we've really had a a very advanced technological program because we've got a lot of resources to put to that because we don't have to have a bunch of people out there on the farms. 
But we need to change that view. We need mm-hmm. to recognize that we have to put people back on the farms to grow the food the right way if we want to have a healthy future. And I'm worried, you know, about not just our health, which is horrible enough, but also our reproductive capacity. Mm. And we have a chapter in, I have a chapter in the book on, on the reproductive system. And, um, and glyphosate is one of those endocrine disruptors that's actually mm. affecting our ability to reproduce. That lowered sperm counts and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, also, uh, you know, female fertility as well, you know, and also the, you know, if it's an endocrine disruptor, uh, could it not result in, uh, you know, subtle changes to uh, the anatomy, to the brain, or also uh, perhaps set the stage for reproductive cancers later on in life? It's said that uh, the, the, the seeds for breast cancer, ovarian cancer, prostate cancer, testicular cancer may actually be in utero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? It's really incredible how much it can affect. In fact, there have been some amazing studies that have come out very recently where they exposed pregnant rats and mice to uh, very low doses of glyphosate during the pregnancy and during lactation. And the mice, uh, weren't, they didn't seem to be affected by it. They seemed fine. The offspring seemed fine. But then when the offspring grew up and then they had their pups and then the next generation, you see worse and worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, cases of various problems in the um, in the in the offspring of the offspring. So it's transgenerational what, what's called, effects. Yeah, it, transgenerational epigenetic effects. It's really really fascinating, but it really hits hard on the germ line, the germ cells that are in the fetus. So that's already the next generation. Those cells are very very sensitive to glyphosate in utero, and they remember that. They change their policy somehow epigenetically, and they remember that from hmm. through subsequent generations. It's quite fascinating and quite shocking. Wow, really pervasive effects. So how do you, you know, uh, answer the frequent critique? You know, you, you alluded to it earlier, you know, that we need to change our, our farming methods. But uh, the whole premise behind the use of these agricultural chemicals is, is it's about productivity and about feeding the planet. And you get like a lot of pushback uh, from people in conventional agriculture who say to folks like you, uh, well, you know, the human uh, population can't be sustained, you know, with these primitive farming methods. We need uh, technological developments to uh, increase, you know, the green, the so-called green revolution that that's going to help us uh, sustain a popular a world population of ten or more billion people. Yeah, that is the argument that they like to use. But you, you and I both know that they're wrecking the soil every year that they use these chemicals on the soil. The soil gets worse. You know, the soil mm-hmm. microbiome is wrecked. The organic matter is being depleted. The soil erodes very quickly. It doesn't hold water. Um, you get um, really, really um, less nutritional value. The um, minerals get lost. And, um, and then the food, of course, the yield starts going down. And that's what they saw with these uh, GMO crops. Initially, they got an improvement in yield. They were very excited, and the farmers were happy to use it, you know, with a significant improvement in yield when they first started using these GMO crops. But year by year, that yield kept getting worse and worse as the soil got wrecked by the glyphosate. And the glyphosate sticks around for many, many years. There's a new study that showed that right. it, um, it said that it's short-acting, that it, it dissipates very quickly. Not true? Yes, that's what Monsanto says. And under ideal conditions, that may be true. But in many other conditions, it's not true. And in fact, a study out of Canada also just appeared. I've been following. There's been lots of papers coming out on glyphosate recently, which is also very encouraging. And glyphosate at low levels. They're really discovering you know, various ways that it can be toxic at very low levels. Mm-hmm. But this was uh, on trees that were sprayed with glyphosate 12 years ago and still had glyphosate residue in their tissues. This is what I'm saying. It accumulates in the tissues, not just in the plants, but also in the 
the animals and in us. And Monsanto showed that in his own studies, and that's something that Anthony Sampso learned because he acquired a bunch of uh, Monsanto documents that had never been published but had been presented to the EPA in defense of glyphosate when it got approved way back in the 1970s, 1980s. And those documents are very damning because they show that, my, that the Monsanto researchers saw that glyphosate was accumulating in the tissues, it was going into the bone marrow. They found these things happening, and they, rec- and they recorded them in these documents that have been kept secret. So, you know, what you're laying out here, you know, they talk a lot about an existential crisis, you know, global warming, climate change, you know, that threatens the very existence of uh, the human species. But w- what you're talking about is is a is a parallel uh, existential crisis, which is a crisis mm-hmm. by which we are polluting our soils and our bodies uh, with extraneous uh, chemicals, uh, which, you know, may have devastating effects and ultimately uh, cause, uh, you know, widespread illness, uh, even starvation. Right. I mean, I think that's what's going to happen. And, we've, of course, we have this incredible out-of-control health care costs in this country, and we're figuring, we can't figure out how to pay for health care. And I, they, I wish the government would recognize that if we would just have a healthy population, the health care costs would go way down. That seems like a no-brainer to me. <laughs> but they never talk in terms of just improving our, our lifestyle in order to improve our health. And that's really the solution individually is just to eat a certified organic, eat a whole foods diet, you know, stay away from those processed foods. Those things are very um, nutrition poor. You know, they're, they're, they're low in micronutrients and the micronutrients are so important. We have deficiencies in B vitamins and vitamin C, vitamin D, vitamin K2. All these vitamins are so essential. And also, of course, all these minerals, which become both toxic and deficient at the same time in the presence of glyphosate, because glyphosate really messes up the body's system for transporting minerals. And we, I talk about that in my book as well. You know, a problem that we see in our environment, and you talk about it in the book, is uh, algal blooms. You know, many of our waterways right. are, are suffering from an overgrowth, a, a clogging with uh, algae. Uh, you know, it's, it's, I guess the term for it is eutrophication, which means that, you know, pristine ponds and streams uh, tend to get clogged up with uh, overgrowth of this, uh, you know, greenish gunk. And so you you link that to uh, the uh, runoffs of glyphosate? Absolutely. And I talk a lot about that in my book. And it's um, it's very clear to me how it's happening. And Florida is a very good example because they've had all this, you know, uh, toxic. They end up with the red tide, you know, and the cyanobacteria. Uh, the cyanobacteria are very interesting because they are very skilled at breaking. They can take glyphosate, break it down, and use the phosphorus atom in glyphosate as a source of phosphorus. And so the cyanobacteria thrive in the presence of glyphosate while other um, microbes are being killed off. And then when they they uh, grow, they release a lot of they provide nitrogen uh, oxides, which then feeds nitrogen to the other species that causes them to grow too. So you get this uh, red tide, you know, you get these um, mm-hmm. algae, the, the the overgrowth of these algae that, uh, and of course if it's humid, hot, you know, conditions as well, uh, it's actually uh, I I wrote a little um, article together with a. Uh, Jennifer Mike, uh, Jennifer Margulis on um, on the manatees in in Florida. I don't know if you know about the manatee yeah. story, but mm-hmm. they're really dying. But they're they're very sick in Florida right now, and um, and due to this um, cyanobacteria problem, which they actually uh, it blocks the sunlight so that the plants that the um, that the manatee eat are um, 
are depleted because they can't get enough sunlight to grow. So it's a, it's a starvation problem. But I think also they're getting contaminated with glyphosate. There's lots of glyphosate being used in those Florida waterways, both for the sugarcane. The sugarcane crop that's grown around that area is sprayed with glyphosate. You have all these residential areas where they're using lots of glyphosate on their lawns, and they're using glyphosate to control control invasive weeds in the waterways themselves. Hmm. Lots of glyphosate is going into those waterways. And a recent wow. study that I just found showed that when you put glyphosate into these waterways that have all this um, you know, vegetation, that the glyphosate actually gets sucked up by the vegetation. It disappears from the water, but it isn't really gone. It's concentrated in those areas where there's a vegetation. So you can see the manatee are eating those vegetation that's loaded up on glyphosate. Wow. Well, you know, uh, you certainly have been uh, uh, a champion of, of the environment. Your book has been compared to Rachel Carlson's uh, Silent Spring. Uh, and, you know, we hope that you uh, can continue to be an effective advocate for uh, protecting our environment from chemicals like glyphosate. I mean, let me ask you this, though. Uh, you're a senior research scientist at MIT. Uh, you're a member of the academic com community. Uh, you're on a faculty. Uh, have you received uh, pressure and pushback from from your colleagues or from people in industry who are saying, you know, you're you're just uh, uh, you know crying wolf here? Uh, I know. It's, <laughs> I'm actually really uh, surprised that nobody at MIT has come after me. You know, to think that I'm sort of stepping out of line. But MIT is a pretty liberal place, and my boss is very supportive. She's uh, she's all big on organic feeds her her, her children organic food. And my, I have a sponsor from Taiwan that has been really um, my savior. They've just been keeping me going with, um, you know, funding year by year. Mm -hmm. I just have to write a, a report of what I did last year and then write a, you know, proposal for a renewal. And that's been keeping me going. So I have a, uh, you know, I don't have to work hard to get money, basically. They've been fantastic. Um, and it's, it's a computer company, so it's quite uh, interesting that they're willing to fund this work. And so I feel very fortunate because most people in academia who are doing this sort of work are in a, an ag school, and the ag schools are heavily um, yep. supported by Monsanto right. and Bayer. I mean, these, these companies just dump money into the school, which means that you don't bite the hand that feeds you. So they don't do the research that um, is needed to show that glyphosate is toxic. So I feel very fortunate in that respect. MIT has not has not um, stopped me, and, um, and my funding has not um, dried up. So so far, so good. You know, you're, you're, you seem <laughs> to be firewalled from uh, influence because if you were working on a uh, a Monsanto uh, grant or something, uh, it's unlikely that you'd be able to publish this kind of stuff. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, it's so much, you know, academic freedom. Uh, there's still pockets of it that are alive and well. That's great. Uh, yes, it's well, very you know, unusual, and I'm very fortunate. Once again, thank you for applying your, your deep understanding of molecular biology to the glyphosate problem, because uh, you've come up with uh, insights that, um, you know, are dazzling, really. You know, as a, I consider myself uh, an amateur scientist because I went to med school and took some basic courses. But, uh, you know, when you have a really understanding of all these pathways, uh, it, uh, you know, really enhances your ability to track down how these things can get into your system and cause damage. So thank right. you very much for, for your work and applying your expertise. The book is... Uh, the book is Toxic Legacy, How the Weed Killer Glyphosate is destroying our health and the environment. And it's available to you from the usual sources, the author, today's guest, Dr. Stephanie Seneff. 
Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. It's my great pleasure. I hope uh, we get the word out on the subject. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. As an Intelligent Medicine listener, you know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. But vetting your sources and tracking down the exact products you need can be a hassle. That's why I'm inviting you to browse my online supplement dispensary at drhoffmanstore.com. We stock only the highest quality supplements, some of which are very hard to find elsewhere. The very same supplements I prescribe to my patients and take myself. My specially curated professional-grade supplements are fulfilled via the Fullscript network. Fullscript is the safest and most convenient way to purchase my medical-grade supplements. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site. It's safe, secure, and HIPAA-compliant and offers world-class support. Just go to drhoffmanstore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. That's drhoffmanstore.com, drhoffmanstore.com.